We are working our way through the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. This is the eighth sermon in that series. If you've missed some, may I encourage you to go online and uh, download the previous sermons because in this series, one sermon builds upon another. There is a flow in this series because we're just moving passage by passage, paragraph by paragraph, word by word, uh, through the letter to the Romans. Um, We come now to chapter 2 for the reading of God's Word in verses 1 through 11, but we're going to focus today primarily on verses 6 through 11. This is in that section that we've been calling the bad news, the divine diagnosis and the divine indictment of all humanity, Jew and Gentile, the whole scope of humanity, guilty without excuse before the righteous and holy Creator. It's important that we keep that context in mind. The bad news that begins in 118 and it runs all the way through 320, the first part of that. In chapter 1, Paul addresses primarily the manifestation of the sinful nature in the Gentile world. In chapter 2, he begins to move toward the moralistic world of uh, the Jewish community. But the point is, is that all humanity, Jew and Gentile, is indicted before the bar of God's justice. Therefore, the only way of salvation, Jew or Gentile, is through faith in Jesus Christ. Let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and hearing of His holy word. Our God and Father, we are thankful that You are indeed the God of truth and You speak truth for our good and for our salvation. Jesus Christ is your embodied, incarnate, living word of truth, and in Him alone is our salvation. And therefore, in His name, we ask for the blessing of your Holy Spirit upon us afresh, anew, within us, to illumine our minds spiritually, to open our hearts to your word and to grant us grace that we might receive your word in faith and respond to the glory of your name. Through Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. Romans 2, beginning at verse 1, the emphasis will be on verses 6 through 11. Let us hear the word of God. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, Every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume? on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works." 
to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Thanks be to God. This passage, Romans 2, 6 through 11, teaches us three things very clearly. Number one, on the last day, God will judge each one of us according to our works. Number two, God's righteous judgment on each one of us will result in either eternal life in glory and honor and peace or Wrath and fury and tribulation and distress. Number three, God's righteous judgment will be rendered upon each of us and upon all of us without any partiality. The same standard applies to all. Yes, this this passage is about the last judgment. And by the way, did you get the connection in that hymn of praise we sang, which is a a hymn for the season of thanksgiving, but it makes the connection to the last judgment. So here we are in this passage as well. This is a passage about one of two eternal destinies. It's very clear, heaven or hell. It's very straightforward. There's no way around the fact that the Holy Scripture teaches us that that day is coming when God will, quote, Render to each one according to his works. Now the reality of the last judgment and God's judgment according to works runs repeatedly throughout the New Testament, including the words of Jesus himself. Don't ever let anyone tell you, you know, that, well, that stuff about judgment, that's in the Old Testament, but, you know, Jesus shows us that God is just a God of love, you know. Mm -mm. Listen to Jesus referring to himself. The Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Matthew 16, 27. And, again, Jesus, an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. He's referring to himself. And come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So, you see, it should be no surprise that we say almost every Sunday, what do we say? He shall come again to judge the quick and the dead. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Jonathan exposited Romans 2.4, which says... Do you presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? 
Now that's a warning and a wake-up call for all those whose lives look pretty good on the outside and who therefore presume that they have no need to repent of their sins and seek God's mercy and follow Christ as Savior and Lord. They, they presume upon God's kindness and forbearance and patience. God just seems to be perfectly okay with who they are and what they're doing. Don't let yourself be that person. The, the Scripture says to all those who presume upon God's kindness, even pretty good people, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That's verse 5. And verse 5 leads directly into the passage today at verse 6. He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Now, Now this verse is intended to deliver us from presuming upon God's kindness. There is a judgment to come when God will render to each one according to his works. Now, I hope that you are beginning to have a question arise in your mind. I hope, I hope, I really do hope that you're beginning to say in your mind, but, 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 Pastor John, are you saying it? You're saying it, aren't you? Good, good, good. Pastor John, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. I, I hope that you're remembering Romans 1.17, the righteous shall live by faith. That's good. And you're right. You are right. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The entire letter of the Romans sets forth the doctrine of justification by faith. The overall theme of Romans is 1.17. He who is righteous by faith shall live. Over and over and over again, the Apostle Paul proves his point that, quote, by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. Romans 3.20. Over and over and over again, the Apostle Paul proclaims, quote, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. 3.22. And he declares that believers in Christ are, quote, justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. We'll read in chapter 4, verse 4, quote, To the one who does not work, does not work for his justification, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, His 
faith is counted as righteousness. And 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by... Come on, come on, come on, come on. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there can be no question about what the letter to the Romans teaches, indeed what the entire Bible teaches. How are you made right with God? Only by faith in Jesus Christ. Now let me unpack that a little bit. Only by faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit wrought faith that brings you to Jesus Christ and unites you to Him. You are united to Jesus Christ. You are one of His and He is yours. And in union with Jesus Christ, you receive... His righteousness. His right standing with the Father as your very own. And you contribute absolutely nothing to that. Nothing. You simply receive it with the empty hand of faith. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone who has done the work of your salvation for you. He did the work of living a perfectly righteous, sinless life on your behalf. He did the work of offering up His perfectly righteous life as the substitutionary atoning sacrifice for all your sins, satisfying the justice of God. And He did the work of taking up His life again rising from the tomb victorious over all the powers of sin, death, and the devil to open the gates of life everlasting for all who place their faith and hope in Him alone. And you receive all the benefits of Christ's work for you when you receive Him by faith. And thus you are justified, made right with God forever. Through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And that's the reason the Apostle Paul said, as he began this letter in in its major theme, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So, What does the Scripture mean when it says in verse 6, God will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Now that gets us to the point. And this is a point which is somewhat veiled in these verses, but will become much more clear in passages to come. You've got to read a passage in its broader context. But the point here is that there is a relationship. Listen, there's a connection between justification by faith 
and judgment rendered according to works. What's the connection? If I am justified by faith in Christ, how then does God render to me according to my works? We need to read these verses very carefully. Here we go again. To those who by patience, and that word could be translated perseverance, persistence, endurance. To those who by patience, perseverance, persistence, endurance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Now about whom is Paul speaking? Who are those people who by patience, perseverance, persistence, endurance in well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, who are they? They are not people who simply prefer heaven to hell. (laughs) Who doesn't prefer heaven to hell? They are not people who simply wish that they would live forever. These are people whose hearts and minds and souls are set on the goal, the destiny of heaven, the hope of glory, and the honor, yes, the honor of hearing the king say, well done, good and faithful servant. These are not people who, in the words of John Piper, are just sort of coasting sideways through life. Going with the flow. These are people who by patience, that is perseverance, consistent persistence in what? In in well-doing, in doing good. They are seeking the everlasting kingdom of God. That's what their life is about. They're not coasting and and floating. They're not doing their time on Sunday and checking the box. They are living intentional lives committed to an eternal destiny. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the Apostle Paul himself, when he wrote to the Philippian Christians and said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. Work it out. Not work for it. Work it out. And then writing about himself, Paul said, listen to this language. Straining forward, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3. It sounds like Hebrews 12.1. Let us run with endurance. Some translations say perseverance. Some translations say patience. Let us run with endurance, perseverance, patience. The race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We are called to run the race with perseverance because we've been saved by grace through the victory which Jesus Christ has already won for us. 
It sounds very much like Galatians 6, which we read as our call to confession. This sounds very much like Romans 2. Listen again. He's writing to Christians. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh, to his own sinful nature, will reap from the flesh corruption. Which, by the way, is the word opposite to immortality. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of well-doing. Let us persevere in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Okay, making the connections. And it sounds like, it sounds a lot like Jesus' words to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount when he told them, seek, 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 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, the people Paul is referring to who by Patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. And who in verse 10 are described as those who do good are not people who are trying to work their way into heaven. Rather, they are people who have had their hearts circumcised by the Holy Spirit people who have been convicted of their sins and have received the sovereign free grace of the Savior, people who have been spiritually raised from the dead into newness of life by the power of the Holy Spirit, people who know that they have been saved by grace, not by works, and therefore live a life of good works by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to the praise and glory of God. And their works vindicate, authenticate their faith. Their works spring forth as the fruit from the root of their faith in Christ. So, when God renders to each according to His works and gives eternal life, and did you get that word? He he gives it. He doesn't pay it. He gives it. It's still a gift. When God renders to each according to His work and gives eternal life, God is simply verifying, authenticating, and vindicating and displaying the reality of the saving faith in that person's heart. One more point, and we need to be really, really, really clear about this. Very, very, very important. Verse 7. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. Now look, this does not refer, this does not refer to people who have attained spiritual sinless perfection. This verse does not refer to some super spiritual elite group. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. You've got to get this now. To those who by patience, perseverance, and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. These are people who are every day 
painfully aware of the sinful nature which remains within them. They are people who every day have to persevere in well-doing. And what that means is fight against the temptations of the world and the flesh and the devil. And these are people who every day will drop their head and say, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. According to your abundant mercy poured out in the blood of your beloved Son, blot out my transgressions, cleanse me of my unrighteousness, and renew a right spirit within me, and cause me to walk in the way of your commandments for your glory. That's the prayer every day of the true believer, justified by faith alone in Christ alone, who by Patience, perseverance, persistence, endurance in well-doing is seeking for glory and honor and immortality to whom God will give, give eternal life. And on that great day when God's righteous judgment is revealed, when God renders to each one according to His works, your good works, including your continual repentance, from personal sins, will be the evidence. It'll be the evidence on display which vindicates and proves that you indeed were a man or woman of true faith in Jesus Christ, saved by God's sovereign grace, justified by faith alone in Christ alone. And so the saying goes... We are justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. We are justified by faith, not by works, but not by a faith that does not work. A fruitless faith is no faith at all. A workless faith is a worthless faith. Therefore, the Scripture says, for those who are self-seeking, the word there has the nuance and connotation of prideful ambition, living for self, and do not obey the truth. What is the truth? The truth about God, the Holy Creator, who is to be worshipped and adored. The truth of Jesus Christ who came into the world to save sinners and who has been raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father who will come again and judge the secrets of men. For those who do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, live as slaves of unrighteousness, servants of sin and rebellion against God, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil The Jew first and also the Greek. God shows no partiality. It's the same standard for all. And and those verses simply describe, again, the fallen human nature which corrupts all humanity. And, you know, you can go back to the preceding weeks in Romans 1. We're talking about the, the fallen nature which corrupts All humanity, Jew and Gentile, without distinction, apart from the redeeming work of Jesus Christ received through faith. 
Now, please do not be misled by the phrase, every human being who does evil. As though, as though the word evil refers only to people such as Hitler and Osama bin Laden. All rebellion against God is evil. All human pride which refuses to worship and honor God as God is evil. All cavalier, careless, apathetic attitudes about God and His holiness, His glory, His word, and His kingdom are evil. Going along our merry way, living our happy and comfortable lives in the way that suits us, presuming upon God's kindness, is evil. Refusing to repent of our specific sins, refusing to turn away from them, refusing to obey God in the specifics of our lives, defying His clearly revealed moral will, is evil. Trusting in our own pretty good righteousness, better than most in terms of external morality, is evil. Seeking salvation in any other way than the way in which God, in His free mercy, has provided, is evil. Rejecting the crucified and risen Christ as your Savior and Lord, is evil. On the day of God of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed, He will render to each one according to His works. And there will be no place to hide except in the shadow of the cross. Therefore, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks for the glorious gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ who for our sake and for our salvation took upon Himself a human nature without sin and lived before You on our behalf a perfectly righteous life and offered that perfectly righteous life up in our stead as the full atonement for all our sins. And we thank You for the gift of the Holy Spirit who by Your grace and power draws us to Christ and unites us to Him in faith that we might live before You as Your forgiven and redeemed and justified people. And we look and live for that hope of glory everlastingly through Your sovereign grace in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ and with a view toward uh, the life of thanksgiving and trusting in God's goodness and faithfulness, let us stand to affirm our faith.
we read responsively from two questions of the Heidelberg Catechism. Christian, what do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance but from his fatherly hand. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from His love. All creatures are so completely in His hand that without His will they can neither move nor be moved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God eternal. The baptismal hymn is number 419.